Amen. Good morning. It is good to be with you guys today. Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? You don't sound real convincing there. But Thanksgiving is my absolute favorite holiday of the year. Um, I love Thanksgiving. We were able to go spend time with family and have good food and a good time of fellowship. So I just wanted to start a service all. We're going to be in uh, Galatians. Uh, we're going to finish up this series that we've been in for the last uh, couple months now, since early September. And uh, we've walked through Galatians, and we're going to finish it up today. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles and want to go ahead and open up to the New Testament book of Galatians, that's where we're going to be. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the row or a seat in front of you. Um, if you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible home with you. I think it's on page 696 or 697 in those Bibles. Um, you can go to the table of contents and look for Galatians. I'll be reading from the ESV this morning. Uh, the words will be on the screen. But before we do that, what I want us to do is this. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to kind of share and speak in the service today. And so I just kind of want to, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just uh, what, what are you thankful for? And this, you know, since this past week was Thanksgiving, uh, what, what are some things that you're thankful for, right? The Lord has done some great things. We have plenty to be thankful for. So let's just call them out this morning, right? Let's just go ahead. Somebody start us off. What are we thankful for? Maggie Larson. That would be your wife. That's awesome. That's good. That was good. That's good, Alan. Anybody else? What else? Uh, what? Your daughters. Yes. Grandchildren. Absolutely. Just just grandchildren, not children, but just grandchildren. Did you say did you say children? She okay, okay. Well, at first you said grandchildren. And then, okay, <laughs> I got you, yeah, that's, that's what I was getting at, yeah, excellent, absolutely, who, who else, answer to prayers, amen, excellent, excellent, what else are we thankful for this morning, amen, confidence, assurance, right, amen, amen, Anybody else? Freedom. Amen. What else are we thankful for this morning? Your job. Anybody else? Good health. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. Uh, so we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, cut that time out now. So if I'm preaching, don't shout out. I'm thankful for, you know. Uh, you had your time and now it's over, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was kind of mean, wasn't it? I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm serious, don't shout it out, but I'm just kidding as far as being mean. All right, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and read this passage together. Again, Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then 
His reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. Pray with me this morning. Father God, we just come to you this morning, and we just give thanks, uh, God, just for uh, your amazing love and for your grace and your mercy in our lives. God, we could just spend the whole service uh, just giving thanks and gratitude for what uh, you do in our lives and, and what you have done. And so we just, we thank you, God. You, uh, you have done great things, and you, and you alone are worthy of our worship. And so I thank you for this time together. I thank you for uh, this family, uh, that we can come together week in and week out um, and not have to be afraid of, you know, losing our lives for this. But we, we have the freedom to worship you. And so we thank you for this time today, and I pray, Father, that as we continue to worship you through your word and study your word together, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move and that you would open our, our hearts and our eyes to see Jesus as he is exalted today, uh, continues to be exalted, God, and we may see how beautiful he is and that we would see our need for him and that we would see our need for each other in this room today. And so, Father, we thank you. And we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the things that I am extremely thankful for is you guys, the church, right? So when I say the church, I don't mean you know, the, the building. Oftentimes when we talk about the church, we you know, think of the building and the structure, but, but that's not what the church is at all, right? The church is you and, and me. The church, are, we are the called out ones. Uh, is what the church, the Greek name ecclesia, is what it means, the called out ones. And so that, that's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the church. And, and one of the primary ways in which God transforms us and helps us to grow, to become more like Jesus, is through the church. Did you realize that? It's through the church that God uses uh, us to, to help grow each other and to become more like Jesus. Last week, if you were here, we were in Galatians chapter 5, and we talked about how um, God, how we pursue godliness and how we pursue holiness by walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Uh, this week, we are looking at how the church, how you and I can help each other grow in our holiness and pursue holiness and pursue godliness as a church together. Right, so last week it was about us being led and living by the Holy Spirit to pursue holiness. This week it's how we pursue holiness together as a church and how the church helps us to do that. Um, you know, this is one of those uh, passages in the, in the New Testament, one another passages. There are many of those one another passages. And uh, the reality is you cannot do one another by yourself, right? You need each other to do one another. Um, the reality is, is we'll never experience the transforming power of the gospel in our lives uh, apart from a proper understanding 
and a love for the local church. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the, the idea of a follower of Jesus in the New Testament not being a part of a local church is just foreign in the New Testament. You don't see that. You can't say, well, I'm going to follow Jesus and then not be a part of the local church. It's just not, you, you, you can't do that. We need, we need each, we need community, right? We, we belong to Christ. We belong to God first and foremost, but then we belong to each other, right? This, this is what the way God designed it to be in relationship. And I think the reason why that's tough for us to grasp or uh, struggle for us to kind of engage in is because the reality is community is messy, right? I mean, community is messy. If we're doing this thing right, community is messy. And one of the reasons I believe we don't experience the transforming power of the gospel through community is because we tend to come into this place and kind of put up a facade. We come in through the doors and we like to give the appearance that everything is okay in our life. People ask us how we're doing and we give the, the nonchalant answer, everything's good, and I get that, I totally get that. Right, but 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 that's that's what we do. We like to give the appearance that we have our life together. God forbid if we give people the impression that we are struggling in life, that we're struggling in our marriage, that we're struggling with our you know addiction, or we're struggling in with our kids. You know, we're about to lose our mind and go crazy. You know, God forbid if people see that, right? And so what we do is we come across as we have it all together, and and really what that is is it comes down to an issue of pride. I mean, it comes down to an issue of, of being self-reliant, of being independent, and feeling like we don't need each other, right? We, when you say, you know, we come in and we kind of put up this, this facade of we have everything together, what we're saying is, I don't, I don't need you in my life. I'll come to church, you know, I'll do my thing, I'll check off the list, but I don't really need you in my life. And that's, that's not what the Bible calls us to. That's not what God is calling us to, right? We are to, to we need each other. We, we need each other brothers and sisters we need each other and so in these first few verses of galatians chapter 6 paul shows us the need for gospel community that's the title of the sermon today is gospel community and how it transforms us gospel community is the is the basis for discipleship in the church uh, but before we dive into that i really quickly want to remind you of, of what the gospel is and how, kind of what we talked about last week, how that begins to change and transform us. Because until we grasp that, we're not going to be able to live in a community. And I want you to see how that really begins to change us and transform us in this gospel community, okay? So the first thing is, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is good news. It's what it means. It means good news. Why is it good news? Because uh, we, because of our sin, we were separated from God. Uh, because of our sin, we, we turned and we rebelled against God. And because of that, we were separated from God. We were condemned. And yet God lovingly pursues after us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. We don't pursue after God. God pursues after us. And so Jesus came to this earth. He uh, put on flesh, and Jesus lived a life that you and I could not live, where you and I rebelled against God, where you and I said, God, we're going to do our own thing. Jesus came to earth in the flesh, and he obeyed perfectly. He never had a wrong thought, never did a wrong deed. Everything he did was perfect. And therefore, because of that perfection, he was able to go to the cross and offer himself as a sacrifice in our place. So Jesus lived a life that you and I could not live, and then he died the death that you and I should have died. 
On the cross, Jesus died for our sins. All of our sins were placed on Jesus. Therefore, God's wrath towards our sin, towards our rebellion, was poured out on Jesus. That is good news, right? Through Jesus Christ, we put our faith and trust in him and what he did for us. We receive his perfect life. We receive his righteousness. Therefore, when God looks at you, he doesn't see sinner or dirty heart Aaron, but he sees Jesus Christ. Amen? That's good news, right? And so you, you begin to, to grasp that and see that, that you belong to Jesus and how that changes your identity. It really begins to change how you live. We talked about it last week at the end of chapter 5 where he says, you belong to Christ Jesus, therefore you crucified the flesh. Right? You belong first. This is who you are. This is your identity. You are in Christ. And I think if we can begin to grasp even that little bit, it will begin to change how we, how we interact with each other in community, how we live our day-to-day lives. Because here's the problem. We tend to forget that. This is what happened in Galatians. This is what the whole sermon series has been, right? Paul came in and preached this gospel message that is Jesus plus nothing. And these Judaizers came in and said, well, wait a minute now, he's, he's halfway right. It's, it's Jesus plus, but it's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus your good works. And so what happened is, is they were beginning to, it was performance-based religion. They were trying to earn God's love. They were trying to earn salvation because they had forgotten who they were in Christ. See, that, that's the key right there. It's, it's, not, it's not that you perform, you obey, and then you belong. It's you belong then you obey. See, we reverse the orders when we forget who we are in Christ. Does that make sense? So what ends up happening, man, is we, we drift from the gospel and we begin to put our identity in other things. We begin to put our identity in our appearance, in our work, in our kids. We begin to make those things in our life our gods, our idols. And our identity is not rooted in Christ. See, what, what happens is we're looking to those things to find fulfillment and those things are never meant to give us the kind of fulfillment that we can only find in Christ Jesus. So that, that's, that's the first thing that, that, that I wanted you to see because you're going to see that here, uh, that, that, that the gospel, our identity is in Christ. This is who we are. But then once you begin to grasp that, what happens is, is the gospel, this is very important, the gospel then begins to destroy pride and fear. This is huge because if we're going to live in community, we've got to grasp this. Right, the gospel destroys pride because what it tells you is when you begin to understand that Jesus died on the cross for you and for your sins and you see him there, it humbles you because you realize that you are so sinful that nothing less than the death of the Savior could save you. That's, that'll humble you. But then it also begins to drive out fear because you realize that there is nothing you can do that will make Jesus love you more or love you less, right? You realize that, that, that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short and you need Jesus, you need his grace. And so it begins to break down those walls of pride and fear so that when we come into this place and we begin to do life together, we don't walk into this place all superior and self-righteous like, yeah, I'm better than you. Who, who are you to say that, right? Now, nobody here can... We're all on level ground when we come in here. We're all on level ground out there too, but what I'm saying is nobody has the right to say, you know what, I'm, I'm better. 
This is what was going on in the, in the Galatian church, and you're going to see that here. But at the same time, right, we can come in here because the gospel drives out fear, and we can just be vulnerable with each other. We can be honest with each other and say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Knowing that my brother or sister who is walking alongside of me is not going to judge me or not going to be self-righteous or be like, ha, ha, you know, but they're going to come alongside me and walk with me because, because that's what the gospel calls us to do. The gospel drives out pride and fear. See, if we come into this place and we still try to put up this facade of like, I've got everything figured out, that's pride and that's fear. You're, 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 you're saying, I don't need you, but then you're also given the appearance that you don't want people to know what you're struggling with. And that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to community, and community is messy. And this is how he helps us to grow. Right? That's the only way you're going to grow. You see that? Do you see what I'm saying here? I'll walk back through it if you want me to. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But that, that's the point. Like, the first thing is you've got to understand this is who you are, that you belong to Christ. This is your identity. Once you begin to walk in that, it drives out pride and it drives out fear. And we can come into this place and we can begin to grow more and more like Jesus. But it's hard to do. It's why we need each other. We need the Holy Spirit. So let's jump in here, and you're going to see this, man. Look, look at verse 1. Verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression. So let me just stop right here because this is not talking about you going to your brothers. This is not me going to John Bukowski's house and, like, spying through his windows trying to catch him in an act of sin, right? This is not, this is not what, that would be kind of creepy, first of all. But as that's, not what, that's not what he's saying, right? We're not sin police, but rather, you know, if we're living in community with, with each other, we kind of sense, we kind of know uh, when somebody is struggling. We can kind of see that, that maybe they're going down the path they shouldn't be going. They are, uh, as Paul would say, living by works of the flesh, right? They're kind of gratifying the desires of the flesh, and we kind of see that. They're flirting with temptation, and it, the temptation is beginning to overtake them, right? That they're living by their own strength and their own flesh rather than by the Spirit. This is what Paul is saying. You see somebody who's caught in a transgression, somebody who's struggling, somebody who's snared in this, right? You see that this is what he's saying, he says, your responsibility, those of you who are spiritual, are to restore in a spirit of gentleness. Now, this is huge, okay? Again, this goes back to the gospel driving out pride and fear. He says, those who are spiritual. He is not talking about those who are on the varsity level faith here, right? He's not talking about you who are like super spiritual giants, varsity level superiority, you know, I'm self-righteous, I've got this thing figured out. If you go to somebody and you try to walk alongside them with that kind of attitude, is that gentleness? Right? That's prideful is what that is. That's arrogance. And the gospel drives out that pride. What Paul's saying is, those of you who are spiritual, what he's talking about last week, those of you who are being led by the Spirit, those of you who are walking by the Spirit, whose life is, is you're, you're, you're you're being controlled by the Holy Spirit, right? That, that's what he means. Those of you who are spiritual, it's not this varsity level type of Christianity, right? Because if you come in with that, man, it's just you're, you're going to come in with pride and arrogance and people are going to be like, how you step back, you know? That's not what, what, what Paul is saying here. But I want you to notice the purpose, right? The purpose of us coming alongside is to restore Right? We, we work not as detectives, right? but as friends and as co-heirs with Christ because our identity is in Christ. We are co-heirs. We are family. This is what Paul is saying. 
the word restore is, is a huge word. It means to, to mend. It means to restore a broken bone. But the key word there, is, again, is gentleness. We restore gently. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story in the Gospels. It's John chapter 8 where the Pharisees catch the woman in adultery. And I don't know, when it says they caught the woman in adultery, I don't know if that means they actually caught her in the act. If they did, that would be creepy, right? But I don't know, maybe, maybe they were like the sin police, right? The, the Pharisees, if you don't know who the Pharisees are, in the New Testament, they were the, the religious elite bunch. They were the ones who were very self-righteous, very prideful, very arrogant. They were the ones who thought they were morally superior than everybody else, right? And so they, they catch this woman in the act of adultery. They drag her out, they bring her to Jesus, and they say, hey, Jesus... This woman was caught in the act of adultery, and because of the law of Moses, she needs to be stoned to death. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story or not, but what does Jesus do? Does, does Jesus, Jesus kind of stoops down the, in the dirt, and he starts to, to either write something or draw something. We don't know what he's doing. But what happens? He says, you know, you without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they begin to drop their stones, and they begin to walk away. And then what does he say to the woman? He says, woman, who's here to condemn you? She says, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go leave your life of sin. See, that, that, was, that was Jesus. He was wanting to restore her. He was gentle with her. He didn't want to destroy her. That's, 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 that's the point that Paul is making here. If the gospel is working in our lives, it is destroying pride, that we are arrogant, that we are self-righteous, and it is also destroying fear, and it allows us to be able to come together and to grow in holiness. It allows us to be able to, to restore. Right? And I know some of us are thinking, well, you know, doesn't Jesus talk about judging other people and this and that? And, it's this? and then again, when Jesus talks about judging people in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, he's referring to the self-righteous Pharisees. He's saying, you guys need to get the plank out of your eye, the, the big log out of your eye before you get the speck of dust out of your person's, out of your brother's eye. Because they were coming about it from a self-righteous point of view. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, no, 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 no. We, we, the gospel drives out pride. It drives out fear. We come with gentleness. And the goal is to restore. The goal is to restore. Listen to me. If you see a brother or sister that has absolutely fallen off the rails, don't think of it as you're judging them. It is our responsibility to walk alongside of that brother or sister and, and, and want to restore them, to, to help them see that, that what they're doing is destroying themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like if, if I'm doing something in my life that is absolutely destroying my life, I would hope that somebody would come to them and say, hey, brother, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know what I'm saying? I would want that. For us not to do that is, is sinful. It's just not right. But this is what Paul's saying. This is how we live in community. This is what we... What we do. So then I think the way we also do this is the latter part of that verse. Uh, where in verse 1 he says that we, we constantly check our heart. What is our motivation here? Is it to be right? Is it to be superior? Or do we have a genuine concern for our brothers and sisters' hearts? Right? Right? So he says, he says at the end of verse 1 there, he says uh, that, that don't... Watch out that you might not fall into the same temptation, right? If we go into it with pride and we go into it with superiority, right, we're gonna, we, we, we are in danger of falling into the same trap. But if we go into it with the right motives, we go into it checking our own heart. The, 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 the Greek, um, it's, it's a present tense, which means we constantly do this. 
we constantly recognize and look at our hearts and, look and, and do this uh, in gentleness. So by the way, um, that's how we do it. Verse 2, look at verse 2. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what he's saying there is a brother or sister is weighed down, right? Be alert to that and quickly do something to help. If you see a brother or sister who is struggling, then we need to be willing to engage them and walk alongside of them. Now, I believe what Paul has in mind here when he's speaking of burdens because of the context of the chapter and what we've just read, I think when he speaks of burden, he's talking about more of a, a sin burden, right? Somebody who is entangled or ensnared in sin, but a burden could be a physical burden or it could be a spiritual burden, right? The, the point is, it doesn't matter how big or small or, or what type of burden it is, the point is, it's a burden and it's weighing somebody down. And, the, and Paul says, if you see somebody who is bearing a burden and they're struggling and they're ensnared, whatever it is, we step in and we help bear that burden. Right, the gospel calls us to do this, right? It destroys pride, arrogance, superiority, drives out fear, allows the person who is struggling and being ensnared to allow the person to come and, and help them share the load and walk through this and to be restored. That's, that's the point. Regardless of how small or big, community that's rooted in the gospel engages and walks alongside. You share the load. I, I, I could give example after example after example of folks in the church today who are just a blessing to me because, man, when I, when I go to hospitals and I visit people, I often hear about how somebody from the church has already been there to see that person and has encouraged them. Somebody from the church has already been there to, to pray with them or, or folks rally around these people and they, they set up meals to take to families. and that, that, That's helping people carry the load. That's helping people carry the burden. I love seeing people who are in small groups already, man, who are in those discipleship relationships, who are uh, not just in small groups, man, but they're in like one-on-one, or you're in a group of two or three, and you're studying together, and you're being discipled. You know, you're, you're, you're sharing your struggles. You're walking alongside of each other. You're sharing that load. You're carrying that burden. This is what Paul is saying. This is how God helps us grow to become more like Jesus. You, you carry each other's burdens. You grow and you become more like Jesus. When you do this, he says, you fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love, right? Lo love one another. We saw that last week in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, 14, and 15, right? Paul says, you, you love one another. He says, don't bite and devour one another. And that, 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 that pride and that superiority, he says, no, when, when you are rooted in Christ and that's your identity, the gospel begins to drive out pride and fear. And you can just come along and you can love one another. It's faith. It's our faith working through love. It's, it's realizing that, that God has poured out his love and his grace on top of you. And that begins to flow out of you. It's faith working through love. Love one another. Jesus said in John 13, 34, he said, A new command that I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Right? Now you apply that. It's faith working through love. That's the fulfilling the law of Christ. And then he goes on to say, uh, for if anyone, this is kind of a strange verse if you, you read it, you know, for the first time you think, that's kind of out of place. He says, for if anyone thinks he is something, um, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. Again, at first glance, that statement seems out of place. But again, we have to remember what Paul is dealing here 
with here in, in the Galatian churches. He's dealing with Judaizers who have come in and just absolutely preached a false gospel that you have to somehow obtain your salvation through your works, that you have to somehow earn God's favor by what you do. And it was causing all kinds of confusion and mess from the, the Christians in Galatia, right? And, and so Paul comes in and says, you know, this is not about comparison, right? They were about boasting in themselves, about boasting in their achievements and comparing themselves with others. He says the Christian who thinks you're something when, there is, when he is nothing is the one who actually needs help in seeing his own sin. You need to see your pride. You need to see your arrogance. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel drives that out of us. And see, the problem is, is whenever our identity is not rooted in Christ and what he did for us on the cross, we will have this tendency, again, to play these silly games where we compare ourselves to other people. We look at somebody who may be stronger in the faith and we think to ourselves, man, I'll never be like them. God must you know, love them way more than he loves me. And so we begin to doubt God's love for ourselves. Or the flip side of that is we become superior. We think self-righteous. We think, well, I'm glad I'm not like those people. Right? I know Scripture. I can quote 100 Scriptures, you know, just like that. I pray every day. I go to, you know, that's the type of thing that Paul is saying, right? We, we look at others and we either get swelled up with pride, self-righteousness because we think we're better, or we think we're not good enough. And Paul says, no, 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 it's not a comparison game. It's not a comparison game. So Paul says, don't measure your moral achievements by those of others. God does not grade on a curve. He does not compare believers to each other, but rather to his own divine perfect standard of righteousness. And we have to remember, man, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we get what? Jesus' perfect righteousness. See, we've got, we got to be rooted in that. We've got to remember that. This is who we are. So this boasting is not in what we've accomplished, but rather in what God has done in us and through us. It's by God's grace that we are where we are. Amen? It's not by anything that you've done. It's by God's grace. Then Paul gives the command in verse 5. He says, for each person uh, to bear his own load. Now that seems strange, right? Being that verse 2 he says, bear each other's burdens. But in verse 5 he says, bear your own load. Why does he say that? Because it seems contradictory, right? Well, the word burden and the word load are two different Greek words. Burden means it is a burden that I cannot bear by myself. I need your help. I need you to come alongside of me and walk with me and help share this burden. Walk with me. Load is a load that I can carry myself. And we all have a load here. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, don't get, don't get cocky. Don't get arrogant. Don't get you know, self-righteous here. Remember, remember who you are in Christ. Remember that you are where you are because of the grace of God. And now he says, now carry your own load, right? Be responsible for what God has given you. Be stewards with what God has given you, right? So your load would be your, your work. Your load would be your, your family. Your load would be your, your neighborhood, right? Things that, that, that God has given you and placed you in where you're at to, to be good stewards with, right? To make much of him. This is what Paul is saying, Right? So, I give an example of, of kids, right? Jo the job of discipling my kids does not fall on the church. 
I, I can't just bring my kids to church and expect them to disciple my kids while I sit back and I don't do anything for my kids. You know, that, that's not what Paul says. That this is my load. This is my responsibility. My kids are my responsibility. I need to disciple my kids. I need to invest in my kids. I need to pour into my kids. Now, as a church, we want to partner with you to help you disciple your kids. We want to resource the mess out of you to give you things to help you to disciple your kids. But this is what Paul is saying. He says, they're your responsibility. That's your load. So we're simply being obedient to what God has given us. We're loving our neighbors. We're serving our coworkers. We're being good stewards with what God has given us. And then in verse 6, he says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, when I was studying this past week, um, a lot of people kind of went in the direction of implying that this was um, the one who is receiving the teaching should pay, like share all good things, kind of monetary things with the person who is teaching. I don't think that's really what Paul means here. I mean, it can, it can mean that, but I think what he means here in the context of this idea of bearing each other's burdens and walking alongside of each other, I think he's sharing all good things means more spiritual things. Uh, the, the, the word share is actually the Greek word koinonia, which means fellowship. It means to partner with. And so here's what I think Paul means, is whenever you are bearing each other's burdens and you're walking alongside each other, you are coming alongside a brother or sister, and you are opening the Word of God, and you are sharing together, and together you are growing spiritually. You're benefiting from the Word of God. Does that make sense? I think this is what Paul is, is saying here, is that, that together we do these things. Uh, and then in verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So this idea of sowing and reaping is, is something that we should all be familiar with. It's not just an agricultural principle. Uh, it's actually an axiom of life that, that we reap what we sow. I mean, you could read through the whole book of Proverbs and see... Uh, it, it is about reaping and sowing. There are natural consequences to our actions. And the world operates under the law of cause and effect, right? You can't sow, uh, you can't sow corn seeds and expect them to grow tomato plants, right? We understand that, right? This is, this is what he's saying. He says if you sow, again, keep it in context here with the the chapter 6 and, and chapter 5 where we just left last week, right? he kind of brings up this illustration again from last week. right? If we, if we sow from the flesh, deeds from the flesh, we're going to reap destruction. If we walk, do works of the flesh, things that, that, that might look like they lead to freedom, things like they, they look like it's going to bring pleasure or fullness, actually brings death and destruction. But if we walk by the Spirit and sow from the Spirit, then we will reap eternal life. And, and when he says eternal life there, I don't think he necessarily means just heaven, although that's great, right? I want to go to heaven, amen? Do you want to go to heaven, right? But I think he means fullness of life there, like in this life. Jesus said that I have come to give you life. And that word life there is the Greek word zoe, which means fullness of life. Life to its fullest. 
So I think what, what Paul is saying here is when we, we sow seeds by the Spirit, when we live by the Spirit, we are, we are multiplying. We are, we are living this, this fullness. We are freedom. We're living in freedom, which is what Galatians is all about. And, and that's what he's saying here, right? If you, if you, listen, if you sow seeds of dishonesty, you, you're going to probably end up losing friends or maybe even worse, lose your job. Now, if you cheat on your time card, you're being dishonest, and they find you out, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to bless you and give you a raise? Hey, man. No, you're probably going to lose your job, right? Uh, if, you, if you don't forgive others, right? If you hold grudges, right? You don't forgive other people. You think people are going to forgive you, right? If you sow seeds of rage and anger, uh, you reap a harvest of, of war. If you sow seeds of ignorance, you're going to reap a harvest of sin. That's just, that's just the principle of sowing and reaping. And let us grow. He said, then he goes on in verse uh, 8, 9, and 10. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. So he brings that idea of reaping again. He says, if we don't give up. So it says, for those who walk and sow in the Spirit, the fruit of, the fruit of patience kind of seems to be an elusive thing, doesn't it? Right? When we're trying to, to do good and we're trying to sow good seeds, uh, sometimes we want to see results like yesterday. You know what I mean? We kind of get impatient with that. Uh, and that's not the way it works, right? It's not the way. I mean, you plant seeds today, next season, right? Next Whatever, right? It's just when you, you see the results of that. It's not the, the immediate results. It's funny, man. This, I think it was this past summer. Was it this past summer that Jude got a... I'm looking over here at my wife, by the way. Uh, confirmed the story. I told it first service. I wasn't sure if it was right or not. Was it this past summer that he took an apple seed? Remember that? Was it this summer? And he took an apple seed, a seed from an apple, and he went out back and found some dirt and said, I'm going to plant this apple seed so I can grow an apple tree. I said, okay, whatever. Uh, I didn't say that to him, but that's what I was thinking. But what's funny is, is the next morning, less than 24 hours, he goes zooming out the door. And I say, where are you going, buddy? He said, I'm going to see if my apple tree sp sprouted yet. And that's kind of like, this is what Paul is saying. It's like, don't grow weary, for in due season we will reap. Don't, don't lose patience here, right? For in due season we will reap a harvest, a blessing, right? It doesn't mean it's going to come the way you think it's going to come. By the way, the seed hadn't planted. It hadn't sprouted yet. Um, <laughs> But he, he was like, oh, yeah. every day he went out there to check it. Never did, never did sprout. Um, but, but this is what Paul is saying, right? He says, in due season you will, you will reap. Don't, don't give up. Um, uh, the, the word there, grow weary, carries the idea of being exhausted and giving up. How many of us have just get exhausted sometimes, right? Come on. Just a handful of you. The rest of you are just knocking out of the park. I see that, okay. Uh, <laughs> Tina's back there raising both hands. <laughs> yeah. I think, listen, because of the, the nature of our fallen world, we, we oftentimes just become cynical. What's the point? Right? What's, what's the use? What's the point? This is what Paul is saying, man. We can look at all the bad things in the world, and we can just say, you know what, what, what's, the, what what's the use? What's the point? Paul says, man, don't, don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't get discouraged. Keep it up. In due time, you will reap. Um, again, in life, it may not be the blessings you think. Uh, it may be in the next life. But 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, Paul writes these words. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. 
So that's what he's saying, man. In due season, we will reap. It may not look like what we think it's going to look like, but just be patient. Don't give up. And then he says, so then, as we have opportunity to do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We do good to everyone, right? Listen, there are those in the world who just simply do evil because they're evil. And then there are those who will return evil for good. You do something good, they're going to return evil because they're, they're evil people. But most people in the world will return good for good or evil for evil, right? That's the way it works. But this is what Paul says. He says, as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to return good even for evil. This is what he's saying. We are to do good to all men, regardless if you're a Christian or not, regardless if you're a believer or not. Right? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are to, to do good to all people, whether or not that person deserves it or not. And again, the gospel applies here, right? Because did we do anything? Did we do anything to deserve God's goodness in our life? That's a question. Did we do anything? No. But God, in his kindness, and his mercy, and his love, right? And his good, he was good to us, even in our rebellion, even in our sin, even turning away from God, he was good, and he sent Jesus. As followers of Jesus, man, as the gospel is moving in us, as it's growing in us, as we are growing in our identity and who we are in Christ, and it's driving out pride and fear, this is what the gospel does. It's, we grow this together. Right? We are being good to all people regardless. Our motivation for doing good is because God has been good to us. So then, as we have opportunity to, to do good to everyone, this is universal. It's all-encompassing, right? It's called to be on mission, to do good to all. To believers, non-believers, it's your workplace, in your neighborhood, whatever it is, the call is to do good to all, and the command is to do good to all. But then he turns it, and he makes it very specific, and he brings it back full circle, right? He says... Do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brings us back to community. This is the continual call for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to walk together, to do life together, to serve one another, to seek out the welfare of one another, to bear one another's burdens. This is gospel community. So in the end, we are desperately in need of the Holy Spirit in our life. We are desperately in need for one another. We are desperately in need for a community. It's God's design for us to, to grow. His Spirit living in us and us living in community. That's how we pursue godliness. That's how we pursue holiness. We need community. Amen? Do we believe that? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for community. We thank you for family. God, we thank you for the gospel. The good news that we don't have to, to earn anything. God, you, you have done everything for us. We just put our trust and faith in Jesus and we thank you, God. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for uh, the community that, uh, that we are a part of that helps us to become more like Jesus. And I, I just pray, Father, today that as we, 
talk about these things, that we would just think about how we can be a part of this community, be a part of this family, how we can, whether, whether it means being in a small group or, or just whatever it is, God, we just pray that you will open people's hearts and minds to that and see their need for that. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.